Welcome to Pool Party Radio. This is the number one podcast for the band Granddaddy in the entire Oval Office. I am your host, Parker, joined as always by co-host Razorman Cumulus. Hey, Parker. I got I have no idea what this Granddaddy reference is to, because I saw you bring this up a couple of times online. Is this some story about Granddaddy or what is it? Well, uh, you know my, like, you know... <laughs> Donald Trump, the president, right? Sure. Well, he is like the kind of guy who listens to Granddaddy. He's always talking about Granddaddy. <laughs> you know, the, he's like, I love their music. I, lo- I got all the albums. They're really great. I saw the reunion tour and all this. And it's just like, shut up, Donald Trump, about Granddaddy. He's always talking about, oh, you know, I got some of their uh, out of print, hard to find records, you know, and oh, I've seen, you know, I, I, I liked them before anybody else liked them. And oh, aren't I cool? I'm Donald Trump. I like granddaddy. Granddaddy is the kind of music that Donald Trump listens to. That's what he says. And I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of him listening to granddaddy and talking about it all the time and thinking he's cool because he likes granddaddy. Guess what? They're not that fucking good. They're like if Radiohead sucked. Yeah. And Radiohead well, does suck. They they already yeah sucked. I was gonna say <laughs> wow that's really saying something then like if they sucked more yeah so okay this is coming back to me now I remember like he'd post those pictures of himself on Twitter back when I was still on Twitter I'm sure mm-hmm. he still does this they'd be like oh I had a great visit in uh in like Texas and then he's on the plane with like a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken do you remember that yeah I remember that yeah. And then, like, just off to the side of that, you could see that he still owns a CD player. That's weird. And he had the CD of, like, Granddaddy's second album. It's it's real bonkers, the entire layout. So it's like, here's a guy that would go to the place with the best barbecue in the world and insist on getting KFC. Mm-hmm. You know? And insist Broke. on listening to Granddaddy while doing it. Like, he's like the while kind of guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that he goes through the drive through at KFC and he and like, he's like, hold on, let me turn down this Granddaddy. I've got it turned up all the way. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. He's like, oh, don't mind me. I'm just listening to Granddaddy. You've probably never heard of them, but I like them a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, all right, dude, you like Granddaddy. You know, it's like that time in the debate. When, he, when, like, uh, the moderator was like, yo, you know, what would you do about the fucking the gross national product and all this and fucking diver- diversifying stock por- portfolios and all this shit. And, like, Hillary Clinton gave that, like, well-thought-out fucking um, speech about fucking diversifying and, uh, grand, you know, and, like, fucking uh, estate taxes and shit. And then Trump just started talking about, oh... Uh, you know, I like I really like track number seven on uh, their third album, and it's really good. And it's like, dude, shut up! It's like, and then like he brought that boombox, and like when they asked him, like, hey, what would you do about North Korea? Like he just started playing a Granddaddy CD for like twenty whole minutes. Yeah, he played someday for twenty whole minutes. Yeah, that was like the their biggest album, and he starts playing that on a national platform. That's really fucked up. Yeah, dude, that doesn't answer the fucking question about North Korea. And you're out here like, he started dancing. You remember when he was in the Republican primaries and the moderator asked him a question? I think it was like Fox News was hosting it. And they asked him a question, but there was that 
controversy where some other slight was made about like his dick size. This really happened, by the way. And he took time during a Republican like to in order to become president. This was the first test he had to pass. And he, instead of answering the question, he just talked about how big his dick was. Mm-hmm. This happened. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember that. And then afterwards, he just slid in like uh, I'd like to also mention that under the Western freeway is very overlooked. I feel like anybody who likes Granddaddy or says they like Granddaddy should pay attention to that one. Also, my dick is very well endowed. It was a really weird time to be alive and watching any of these debates. Yeah, it was weird. Like he he was like, you know, oh, if I could show you my dick right now, it would definitely be the size of a Granddaddy 12-inch LP. And it's like, dude, you really got it. Like you're bringing up your dick and Granddaddy all in the same debate. Like we don't need this. Got to. He's got to. He, he doesn't know how else to live. Mm-mm. I don't know how he survived. Like, God, it's been like 10 years since they had an album out and they just released one. So, so think of how depressed he is. Like he had all this fake ass ambition to become president. And now, like, if he finally gets that, <coughs> that granddaddy album that he's been waiting on for 10 years, like, well, this is all I wanted. I don't want the rest of this stuff. That's just not a wasting coincidence. everybody's time. Yeah, and that's not a coincidence. If you think Granddaddy uh, didn't put out that fucking new CD because they knew that Donald Trump really wanted it, and because they like Donald Trump and they think Donald Trump's cool guy, and they wanted to help him out with some new music, then you're fooling. It's yourself. reciprocal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hear you. It's fucking wild, dude. Like you remember Barack Obama, my dude, Barack Obama, when he was president, dude. Like the only time anybody ever mentioned Granddaddy when Barack Obama was president, one time. Uh, that one lady, Helen, I forget her last name. Oh, Jesus. Uh, she was like, Ellen Mirren. No, not Ellen Mirren. Uh, that really respected uh, journalist lady. Anyway, she goes, Hey, Barack Obama at a press conference. She's like, Hey, do you like granddaddy? And he was just like, I don't know. They're fine. I guess I don't have time to talk about granddaddy because I'm a real ass president. And also because I listen to good music and I don't listen to Granddaddy because they suck shit. I'm Barack Obama. That's what he said. And that's why I respected him and voted for him three times. Yeah. During the time that he was president, no Granddaddy albums. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Tells you he was a good fucking president. Theodore Roosevelt, remember when he was president? Zero Granddaddy. No Granddaddy albums. I hear you. In fact, every one of those motherfuckers on Mount Rushmore, no fucking granddaddy albums when any one of those motherfuckers were in office. And I wonder why. That's not a coincidence, Frisbee. Not at once. Now, all of a sudden, Donald Trump's president, we got granddaddy albums coming out the wazoo. People are going to go see granddaddy on tour. Fuck you. No way. (laughs) No way. way. (laughs) Infantilisk. Infantilisko. Mr. Balloon Hands over here. Oh my god, Mr. Balloon Hands. Balloon Hands. No Uh, way. No way. So, (laughs) this is an episode. It's a clip show. We're going to be playing old clips from old episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see the first one that we're going to do here. The very first clip. It's, uh, you, you remember Jackson? You remember Jackson Stewart Frisbee? You remember having him on the show? God, like ages ago. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Uh, this is actually all of the way back, episode 215. The very first time Jackson Stewart 
director of Beyond the Gates, was on the podcast. So here's a clip. We're going to show it. We're going to play it for you. Here it is. We're back here on the Pool Party Radio Show, and we are joined by our man Hatless Jackson, the director of Beyond the Gates, a movie that you can watch right now on Netflix, or you should just buy the Blu-ray and get that audio commentary from Wayne. He did not. Yes. <laughs> How are you doing, Jackson? I'm good. Thank you for having me on, boys. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Anytime. As is tradition, this being your first time ever on Pool Party, all new guests have to do this thing where you tell us some laws that you would enact if you were suddenly the dictator or president of America uh, as as a way of letting letting the audience get to know you and know all about you. I assume that you probably have some sort of anti-hat legislation that you'd like to pass. But, uh, but, but it, <laughs> it's a possibility. You'll, you'll find out in short order. <laughs> so what are some of the laws you would pass if suddenly right now some dude told you that you were president? All right. Number one is uh, no texting in movie theaters. This is sort of a Sarah Murphy inspired choice. Uh, no texting in movie theaters ever. Basically you get one warning and then if you do not follow that warning, you're immediately executed on the spot (laughs) with (laughs) full death penalty right there in the theater. I, I basically want to do judge dread laws on this. Um, it's completely inexcusable. It's been going on for years at this point decades and i feel it won't change unless some some very serious actions uh taken so that's um that's where i stand on that and uh i'm 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 willing to take the heat for for this new policy of mine it's tough but fair (laughs) i feel you on this one i think it's uh it's policy that needs to be implemented it's been a year of like really dumb laws or dumb attempts at laws, and this one feels like something real, you know? I think this is going to like get us back on our toes again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About you, are you a fan of this? Yeah, I love this. I like Every movie I go to, they play like the minute-long thing where it says, hey, if you're talking or on your phone or whatever, if you're smoking, we're going to kick you out. But I've never once seen anybody get kicked out. I've never seen anybody get talked to about this. Like... I don't know if anybody's enforcing it outside of the Alamo. Yeah, Alamo they, seems to be the strictest. They do at the the New Beverly, like they'll throw people out there, and at the Egyptian, and um, a few. I, I think there's a couple other theaters. I mean, Alamo, I think, is the most um, notorious for it. But yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. That like, yeah, those guys. Would, but like, I mean, if you just go to like your local like movie theater with 10 screens like i don't think anybody gives a shit yeah i'll say i think like outside of la it's it's real loosey-goosey i mean i'm talking about my experience going to theaters here and i'm seeing like arty art arty art house shit and the and like uh what was that um charlie's theron movie about being blonde what was it called atomic, atomic, blonde. atomic blonde yes yeah and people are like getting freaky in the seats so, yeah, like no one gives a shit. They could be texting. They could be getting all naked and such. And yeah, no one cares here. Well, I would like them to, though. 
Yeah, because I'm a nerd and hate people having a good time. I can't blame two people getting freaky during that uh, Charlie Theron movie. Though. That was an erotic film. It's true. Very it erotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, they weren't they weren't inspired by it or anything. They just thought no one would be there, and it was just me and like another couple, besides the one that was like going at it. Oh dear! It, you were there. Yeah, this is you were there with a couple. No, okay. it was me, like towards the front. This freaky couple, like midway, and then in the back there was like an older couple who just wanted to go see a movie together. Okay, I thought maybe you were with it, the other couple, like it was some sort of cuckolding situation <laughs> that you had joined in on. Oh yeah, like I've definitely been on situations where I made someone's totally ashamed of their penis and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, while watching a movie but yeah. well yeah you know. yeah one time uh me and my uh, girlfriend i had at the time and you went to go see a movie and the whole time you just kept whispering to me your penis is pathetic my, pe- <laughs> my penis is so yeah good. yeah it was a good it was movie weird yeah, like good. you all asked me to do it and sitting in between you was like weird enough but i was like okay well i guess your penis is pathetic <laughs> <laughs> it was uh we saw the dawn of the dead remake I remember yeah, that. that was it. That was it. it I remember was, that. It was a good film. Good experience. It was re- really fun from what I remember, but it was very distracting. Yeah. And no one kicked us out for that either. Yeah. What if, Jackson, If is it okay for people to text during a movie if they're texting someone else to tell them about how pathetic their penis is? That's fine. <laughs> then <laughs> they're in the clear. They're, li- they're living their truth at that point. Yeah, any any cuckoldry or whatever <laughs> text text or otherwise is given a, a pass. It's the the only time the the behavior is permissible. Okay, the only singular time. Have it's you had a, the? Uh... Go ahead. No, you go. It's uh, fine. Have you had a movie that was ruined by uh, texting Jackson? Oh God, yeah. I actually well. Yes. I mean, there was, I think I went and saw Fast and the Furious 6, which I I don't even really like those movies, but some friends of mine were going and someone was just like on their phone the whole movie. And then uh, my friend kept screaming at them. They're like, put your fucking phone away and all this. And the guy just would not do it. And then it like kind of escalated into this weird fight where he's like, yo, see you after the movie motherfucker. Like he was going to kick his ass for telling him to put his phone away. (laughs) And, uh, pretty sure that was the last time I ever went to that theater. Um, was the AMC Burbank. Don't see movies there. Um, the other, uh, yeah, I I think that's, that's the big one. I've seen some other like violent altercations, involving texting or or heckling but jesus okay yeah (laughs) like someone someone uh dumped a drink on someone's head at a screening of showgirls because they kept (laughs) like heckling it hey all topical yeah we're just talking about jesse spano exactly i had to tie it in somehow Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I, i'll have that forever emblazoned in my mind and always associate it with showgirls yeah, no one should heckle that movie. It's a perfect movie that you should just enjoy and just uh, have a good time watching. You should not heckle that movie. I agree. Well, I think I, I feel like heckling with movies, it's either it's got to be like the real pros are doing it and you're going specifically to see that where it's 
you know, the, um, the Mike Nelson's and the what have you, or I guess one of these room type movies of the Rocky horrors that the kids like, but generally if it's just a bad movie and people are there to goof on it and they're not funny, I think it's way worse than just taking in the, the movie and you know, the, the entertainment value that's already baked into something real crazy. Yeah. Although, I think, go ahead. I think it's hard to anticipate when a movie's that that's opening up, that's going to instill that kind of talk back behavior. Like some films are that fun. Like I think of, uh, uh, the opening night of the strangers. I went to see that with girls day at the time and it was packed. Like they oversold the theater. So there were a couple of kids, high school kids, like sitting on the floor in front of their friends and people were like react and, and shout stuff out, just like break the tension. And it was a lot of fun, but you can only do it like on that opening night. If you're doing it like two weeks in with a half full theater, it's, it doesn't have the same magic to it. And the same goes for like one that was more blatantly obvious. That was uh, snakes on a plane. Like there was a midnight screen of that when it first came out, people knew that it was going to be ridiculous and just kind of mad, goofy fun. But, uh, that's his own kind of appeal. You have to be there like on that opening night. And I don't know, I guess just be fortunate enough to have like a fun loving audience. Uh, well, I hope that in Jackson's America, that the person uh, heckling and whatever during the strangers goes to jail forever and gets shot in the face. Cause that's like the scariest <laughs> movie I've ever fucking seen. And if you're talking you- through it, you should die. You're hoping they get stranger. <laughs> yeah. It's a packed house. Like, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to say is like, it's a packed theater. So everyone would have been arrested and shot in the face, Good. including me. Uh, well, yeah. that's I'm harsh. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's stern, but fair. It's a, it's a really good movie. You shouldn't. <laughs> My own words used against me. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. um, um, you guys the new strangers. I mean, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, 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 Spring Breakers with all the neon and pools. <laughs> I haven't seen the trailer for it yet, but I, um, I'm looking forward to it. I like those strangers. Yeah, strangers. A lot good. of good shots in that trailer. It looks good. I'm just wondering about like the difference that they're doing with it. And it's the it's the the homie who did 47 meters down, which was tight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a different a new law? Uh, what's your second new law? Okay, my second new law is movie related, and it's uh, putting an end to both honest trailers and and cinema sins. Um, I think I, I'm I'm not sure if that that a uh, sexual harassment scandal already did that to one of these, um, <laughs> but I, I so. I've I've looked at it, and it's basically just any movie they will do it's like it doesn't matter if it's if it's good or if it's bad it's just every movie and you kind of reach this point where you're like okay well uh apparently if someone if back to the future is loaded with flaws then um like well why would anyone make anything ever because that's one of the best (laughs) movies ever made and it's like impeccably executed and you know, tearing apart something like that, I think, is uh, leading to the dumbing down of our culture and uh, the sort of weird entitlement people have on the 
the interwebs about movies and just, you know, getting defensive about The Last Jedi and stuff. It's really terrible. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's um, that is my second law. I'm also OK with this one. And it's it's funny you bring this up because only a month ago, somebody uh, requested me to watch a honest trailer and i even forget what it's about oh my god like i remember watching one where it's director of that uh skull island the king kong one he did his own like he got in touch with somebody who said like oh can we do this about your movies like yeah but i'd like to do it myself because apparently went on some rant about or he confronted some criticism about his own film and talked about like here's what I was trying to do with it. And then he took this as a way to make amends and be like, yeah, okay. I kind of went off the handle there. Here's what I find that I could critique about my own movie. The other one though, I, God, I forget what it was. Maybe the room. I think it was the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, possibly. That was funny, but there was like other times when I've seen them where it feels like a holdover of like, uh, uh, just like, an older form of YouTube. It's a YouTube that's not familiar now. I feel like YouTube's evolved beyond like just the weird editing and narration stuff. We got a lot of people who are becoming these pretty awful celebrities from YouTube. <laughs> As it turns out, uh, most of them appear to be racist for some reason. I don't know why that's a thing. Couldn't um, be talking about Logan Paul, could you? Or PewDiePie or <laughs> JonTron or I mean, it goes on like the guy who did those music reviews turns oh, out yeah. he's like on alt right sites a bunch. Who knew that people who gain their fame from the internet would be also looking at the worst parts of the internet for information <laughs> and having that inform their views? So yeah, I uh, for better or for worse, I feel like stuff like uh, that, like Songify the News, that used to be a huge thing. People would like look for that every week. Oh yeah. Um, and that kind of remixing of of current media or just like talking over and narrating it doesn't doesn't seem to be as much of a thing anymore. What was the other one you mentioned? There was Honest Trailers and what else? Cinema Sins. That's the one I think is is worse because they'll just be like, here's everything wrong with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or and you're just like, yeah, it's just, it's just you're like you're just being a like a, a trick ass fool at this point, you know? yeah. Granted, there's like some plot holes in films that are, you know, pretty bad. But otherwise, like they're just trying to tell a fucking story under like a reasonable amount of time. Well, it's also too. It's like you, you know, it's like you have no idea what the actual constraints are within making that movie. And so it's like, you know, when people end up watching a movie over the course of or growing up with it, like Rare's Lost Ark or something. You know, you end up seeing that movie way more times than anyone was ever meant to. And of course, you're going to find flaws within that. But it's like it's just a, it's a crazy thing because it doesn't really that doesn't like happen on with like music and, you know, other other artwork, really. Like even TV, I don't really see that. I mean, I see people like goofing on old TV shows, which I'm into like this, this Saved by the Bell business of, you know. 
mm-hmm. talking about that and so forth. But, uh, you know, to just go, go through and like nitpick something to death, I think is, um, is pretty whack. Yeah. The cinema sins one, especially gets like really just like super dumb and nitpicky. Like I, I've seen like tw- two of them or something and it'll be like, if Indiana Jones is so afraid of snakes, why does he even leave his house? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yes, you guys are, are clearly smarter than Lawrence Kasdan, and Steven Spielberg and, and George Lucas at the height of their powers. You really, really got him here. <laughs> I know. It's so dumb. Like, yeah, it's like the most nitpicky stuff. It's, uh, and then, I, I think it's CinemaSins, like, they'll do, like, a lot of this stuff where, like, they'll point out a trope as if, like, just having a trope in your movie is, like, a bad thing. They'll be like, here's the swashbuckling anti-hero. That's bad. It's a trope. And it's like, no, like, it's a trope because it works well in human storytelling. Yeah, that's that stuff is preposterous. It's like, it has a three-act structure. How stupid. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, a beginning a middle ridiculous. and an end i can't believe it how many times have we seen this i've never actually watched cinema sins but it sounds really awful yeah it's pretty grating um i'm sure i'm gonna get in trouble at some point down the line for <laughs> for my opinion on this but i i freely accept it um yeah, and then my last one, it's kind of a flip to that. I tried, I decided to make all of these movie related. Um, but I think the reverse of those things, those cinema sins and red letter, uh, is, uh, you know, the red letter media, which I think is delightful and very smart, very articulate, lots of good points. And I think that should be taught in film school because honestly, I think those guys are like, some of the best film critics we have currently out in the the internet landscape, you know. I also really like that they just will, they'll talk about what works, what doesn't, and, you know, really put a lot of thought into it. Like, I think, Parker, you were telling me about the um, the Last Jedi review, which I uh, I didn't even know was, was up until you mentioned it. And then I, I watched it, I was like, God, they like, they, they articulate what's actually like what what works and what doesn't and, you know, in a very fair and, you know, pretty unbiased way. Generally, like they'll say, OK, like this is what they did better from this one or, you know, this previous movie. And, you know, I could watch them just dice up basically any movie out there because they they're just very thoughtful and interesting. And uh, I think they're they're great guys. Uh, yeah, I love those dudes. I think that those dudes should be in your cabinet. I think they should be uh, in any president's cabinet. I think that they absolutely would lend a lot to the American political climate. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, they're, they're super great. And uh, yeah, I just sit around like rewatching their best of the worst show over and over and over again. I've become obsessed. It's unhealthy. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty wonderful. Do you, do you watch these fellows, Frisbee? No, I, I don't, but I, uh, I've seen like small clips of their show that have been like very funny and it's, uh, is it just two guys or are there three of them? It's three, right? Cause well, I've seen like videos of just two guys, like one of the guys a beard, the other guy doesn't. But there's a third yeah. one. 
there's like a blonde dude with them. There's the the dude who has the 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 goatee beard. There's the uh-huh. Mr. Plankett, and then the the other guy whose name I can't remember. Yeah, well, there's like two main dudes, and then they have like a rotating cast of like three or four other dudes that that come in and occasionally want juicy shack meat. Juicy shack meat. <laughs> yeah, it's Rich okay. Evans. It's Rich Evans's catchphrase. It's a good one. Now, Rich Thank Evans you. is the one who was. Uh, uh, he's in that great like superimposed photo of himself where he's sitting on a couch and it's just like a frame from something, but he looks really depressed. And then there's like a larger photo of him looking at himself. Yeah. yeah like it's yeah. an Ullman Mills photo. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's an excellent. <laughs> there's a while where you were using that as a reaction to almost everything. And it was so good. I want to bring like anytime back. that there was a, uh, any sort of post and somebody disagreed with you, you'd put that on there. <laughs> yeah. I think I used or, it. I think I used it on election night and got the most likes I've ever gotten on anything in my life. <laughs> yeah, that was, I had to look up what that was from when you posted that. Cause I was like, this is, <laughs> this is too close to home. Uh, so yeah, so that's all your laws, Jackson. I think you'd be a good president. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I've been waiting to hear that all my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, those are my laws. I, I, I suppose I could have gotten very political with them, but um, you know, I, I, I just care about the issues that matter. Mm-hmm. Good platform. I like that. That's important. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna have more pool party radio. <laughs> All right, and we're back on the program. We hope you enjoyed that clip you know what's great about jackson jackson stewart frisbee well everything but what what in particular do you like in his movie beyond the gates you know what's on the soundtrack not a single granddaddy song that's awesome and i remember i was looking through (laughs) commentary tracks of which uh junk food dinner your other podcast is part of like you guys are all three doing like talky jokes and yuck-em-ups for the film like in favor of the film, not against it. But I also just had to make sure that there were no like granddaddy commentary tracks. And there isn't. So you're set. Jackson would never allow that. I feel like maybe the, uh, like, oh, I forget the, uh, who was it? IFC put that, put out that movie. Like, I feel like maybe they probably tried to apply pressure to get granddaddy on the soundtrack and on the audio commentary. And uh, Jackson, being a real stand-up guy of integrity and vision for his film, said, no way. There's no way Granddaddy's doing an audio commentary for my movie. And I respect that. Yeah, I do too. Um, speaking of respect, should we play the... We got a clip. We got another clip here. Uh, do, you, do you respect Wayne? Do you remember him? Yeah, I respect Wayne. Yeah, we got here's here's an old Wayne podcast town news. One of the very first ones. Uh, You remember him? He's he's a guy. Uh, He does the podcast town news. Uh, So yeah, here's here's an old. You know, we thought we'd play one of the old older Wayne 
Podcast Town News. Here it is from episode number. Here the old Podcast Town News from Wayne. <laughs> yeah. What episode? This is from episode 176. Here it goes. Wayne's Podcast uh. Town News. News. So, that's the last one of these. Hopefully. I don't want to do it anymore. But no one else can do it. So, big fuck you to use. Sean Byron bullied Jackson Stewart out of all social media. Not just burned him out of podcast town. Like he tried to make this little cute thing posted online. Oh, put put Jackson Stewart in, on the list, Corey, of people who flamed out. No, it's not because of that. It's because Jack, you know, Sean Byron is the ultimate bully piece of shit who should be ashamed of himself and uh, should get on the highest building and jump off. Just scumbag. Uh, and it's just sad because, you know, you had a guy coming up in the ranks, you know, making his way, living life, and then you got John Byron kicking him in the teeth because John Byron can't let his friends have some kind of, like, social life or popularity. They only have to be around Sean Byron, you know. Mr. I've seen fucking Phantom Thread four times in the last two weeks, <laughs> dickhead. Like, come on, seriously, the movie ain't that great. Don't be fucking watching it that many times. That's kind of shitty. Is there anything else? Oh, yeah. Child Man Man Child Radio Show. Please stop posting your links to your live vaping contests. That show sucks. Have you watched that? Have you watched it? I made a, a live podcast on news a couple weeks ago about this. On the on podcast town about this. Oh, and yeah. I'm starting to get wind of it because these guys post like four times a day sometimes. Four times a week. I don't know. I'm kind of whichever one you feel like using. And uh, they're just a bunch of cocksuckers. They should be destroyed on site. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't know what else. There's, you know, Patrick from uh, the, the Thrill Kill cast. My life with the Thrill Kill cult cast. Um, <laughs> seems to quit podcasts every other week. I hope he continues to do that Ichi podcast. I mean, that's a good show. Especially with Frisbee not doing this show anymore. So he's got to keep doing something. And that's it. Eat a dick. But the last one of these, you can all die <laughs> in a flaming wreck. Bye. And we're back. What a classic podcast town news that was. These clips, these clips have me very nostalgic for the old days. Remember the old days when we were living like on the the poor side of town and just eating like macaroni and cheese with ketchup mm-hmm. on it? Yeah, splitting yeah. one... One bean between us. Mm-hmm. Wearing fingerless gloves. Yeah. There's old days of like early podcasting when it was still like a new pioneer, when nobody knew who Mark Marin was. And nobody knew what uh whatever that shroom tech shit was. Yeah, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. People didn't know at the time that uh you know that apes eating psilocybin mushrooms is what created humanity. They didn't know that at the time. We didn't have Joe Rogan to tell us that. Or Bill Hicks, which Joe Rogan probably watched at some point. Oh, he loves Bill Hicks. Yeah, that was a Bill Hicks bit. <laughs> so he's, mm-hmm. You know where that came from. We also, uh, it was a time when Kevin Smith did not know that he would, for some reason, make uh, the main character of a horror film into a podcaster 
mm-hmm. what was that tusk tusk that yeah. one? Mm-hmm. tuscany italy is where that movie is set they also play a lot of mm-hmm. fleetwood mac in it but it's not the song you think it's oh. actually landslide not tusk oh, okay i like that yeah it's weird yeah real weird seems like it'd just be too on the nose to play tusk you would think but it doesn't make any sense to play landslide either because that's about like how much uh, Stevie Nicks likes her dad. Yeah. But whatever. Stevie Nicks needs to get real. Stop singing like a ghost, in my opinion. Oh, she is a ghost, though. That's the. It's funny you bring that up. Is she dead? She's she's a ghostly person. Is Stevie Nicks still alive? Yeah, she's still alive, but uh, she's a ghost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is a ghost. She has no yeah. corporeal body. No. None. And, uh, All these years, like those photos of her with like Lindsay Buckingham when his Buckingham and Nick's, mm-hmm. she's a ghost there. Yeah. She also has no corporeal good albums. They don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> that <being> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite corporeal album? My favorite Corporeal album is uh, Ziggy Stardust, you know, the David Bowie album. Yeah, you can really wrap your hands around that one. That's an album you can feel with your hands and that, like, takes up physical space with molecules. Yeah. And you think that'd be, like, an advantage for any granddaddy album, but it's not because they just mm-hmm. feel weird. You're like, gah, I wish this was non-corporeal, this granddaddy <laughs> album. Yeah, it's weird with Granddad, like with Ziggy Stardust, like you're like, man, if this album was the size of, you know, the Congo, like that would be great. But with <laughs> Granddaddy, it's like, oh, this album's too, it feels too big. It's taking up too much physical space in the universe. Uh, just scale it back a little bit. Yeah, I want, I want the anti version of this. <coughs> like, I wish this were not here. Yeah, I just wish, like, if we could just round up all the Granddaddy albums and, like, just make them no longer exist on this plane of existence, like, I think that would be great. Like, mm-hmm. I was, he- you know, like, I heard on the Joe Rogan show recently that there are other universes out there. Yeah, yeah. we could put them there. That's yeah. fine. We could take all our Granddaddy albums. Just but- not this universe. <laughs> Yeah, just put them in a different universe. That's fine. I'm not saying they can't exist anywhere. Just not this universe. Not the universe where my ears exist. But it's got to be one where they don't already exist because we're supplanting that. See, like if it were a place where it already exists, then I think people would immediately know. Trump would know. That's for sure. Because he'd be excited. Everybody else would be like, what the fuck? Just yesterday, there was like a tolerable amount of granddaddy (laughs) albums. And now there's like twice as much. This yeah. is unthinkable. It would create some sort of weird paradox where like, uh, where people's eardrums would just implode from like the horrible yeah. sound and like the, uh, the very dated musical stylings of Granddaddy where you listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, this sounds exactly like 2003. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Oh yeah. It was a shitty time for everything. Granddaddy exemplifies it all. Mm -hmm. Speaking of good times, though, do you remember that? Do you remember the time that we watched? uh, I don't even know the actual technical name of this film. The Saved by the Bell movie, (laughs) where they 
<laughs> Wedding in Vegas? Is that the name of the movie? That's the name of the movie, yeah. That's the technical name. All right. Uh, do you remember that time we watched it for episode number uh, 26 of Pool yeah, Party? Yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember it very well. I also remember. Let's uh, let's keep going with some of these old classic Pool Party radio clips. And uh, let's... Uh, Let's uh, Let's indulge in this clip. Let's play this clip of the time that we watched Saved by the Bell, Wedding in Vegas. And here's the clip. All right. Welcome back to Pool Party Radio. We're talking about Saved by the Bell, the Hawaiian movie. Wedding. I mean, wait. What? (laughs) Wedding in Vegas movie. (laughs) It's only episode 26 or whatever. I'm not good at hosting. We'll get our wheels. Yeah. We're going to get our legs here soon. I apologize. So, this movie, did you watch this movie, Frisbee, when it came out originally? A little bit, yeah. I remember when it came out because there was these trailers that they'd show of the one major stunt that happens in it where Zach is, like, hanging off a balcony and he kind of loses his grip and it looks like he's going to fall. They used to show that on NBC or whatever it was on a lot. I think it was NBC. They're like, don't miss Wedding in Vegas. Say by the bell. And... There'd be like Zach almost dying. Because who doesn't want to see that? Somebody finally punished for all of his crimes. Yeah, I know. Like, I, f- I feel like if they would have just said Zach, like if the ending of Saved by the Bell was the ending of Seinfeld, like I feel like people would look back on this show a lot fonder than they do. Yeah. Where like, you know, if they were in jail. I mean, if Zach yeah. was in jail. Did you watch this when it first came on? It was a prime time event. I vaguely remember it. Like, I think I was old enough that I wasn't regularly watching the college years and I wasn't watching the new class, which was on at the same time. So I I remember it kind of being on, but I don't know if I watched it because I don't really remember anything. I remember the stunt that you're talking about where Zach's hanging on the balcony. And I remember them. Well, I remember them driving like. I remember scenes of them like actually driving on the freeway like a real movie. So I must have watched it. At some point. But I have very vague memories of it. It's not like the most memorable film, I suppose. But I'm pretty sure I watched it at the time, now that I think about it. What do you think that is? Like, having just watched it recently, why is it so unmemorable? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like the... I mean, it's kind of like the same problem with the college years, where it's like, you're trying to move on from high school, and you're in prime time, and you're trying to tell these stories that should resonate with primetime audiences, but you're still just doing like the dopey Saved by the Bell kids show like humor kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a real weird tone that they're trying, like they're trying to like uh, please all the kids who still watch the show, yet they're, you know, doing more grown up angles where, well, I was going to say more grown up angles where like where Kelly's dating Professor Lasky, but uh, they did that with like, the normal show too like that hawaiian movie was about how zach started dating like an old lady with a 10 year old so it's like i don't, I don't know I don't, it's just a weird, a weird show all around this uh and i mean i feel like this is maybe not so much memorable because i mean it's about zach and kelly getting married where it's like the whole goddamn show is about that like so i don't know if it was about like Something, I don't know, something else. If it was about Slater getting married, I feel like we'd remember it a lot more because Zach and Kelly's relationship is, you know, 
kind of you know it's all it that's what the whole goddamn show is so it doesn't really stick out they really drive that point home towards the end of this <laughs> um entire the end of this entire thing because like if there's ever the chance that this like us talking now about this movie ends up on a clip show that we do it'll be really ironic because there's this little clip montage that happens that condenses everything about like say by the bell do you remember that yeah the yeah that happens at the end this they show like this montage after the wedding where it shows like zach and kelly from like episode one all the way through the years and uh i would be lying to you if i didn't tell you that that made me a little emotional it was nice to see a little recap of all that it was cute i felt everything yeah everything after the very first one because we're just like hearing these vows like you two were destined for each other and loved each other and the first memory that we're shown is Zach pulling down this, uh, well, it's a pull-down display, like you would have like a, a a map of the world back in like grade school, you know? Mm-hmm. Except he pulls it down and it's this large printout of a very young Kelly Kapowski. That's kind of weird. You know, oh, yeah. a photo would be reasonable, but who knows what that kid's doing with this full-on like picture of another kid. Yeah, he's got the full picture. Like, uh, I like life his, size. Yeah, like like a uh, big heads or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he must have gone to Kinkos to print it out or something like that. Like he had to get it professionally done. Yeah, but yeah. So this movie, as for the plot and whatnot, uh, Zach, Slater, Screech, Lisa, and Kelly are driving uh, from. Their town in L.A., their hometown, because I guess it's summertime or whatever. They're no longer in school. It's summertime. They're not in the Bay Area. They're going to wherever the fuck uh, Bayside is, their hometown. Southern California somewhere. They're driving to Vegas uh, so that that, uh, Zach and Kelly can get married. It starts out in this really weird way. Well, Well, before we get into that, it should be said that at this time, Screech, there was no more Say by the Bell. College years ended a few months before, but Screech was currently on the second season of The New Class, which is kind of interesting that uh, they don't mention that at all, I guess, in this. But um, there's no characters from that, except for Belding. Belding shows up later. But um, So anyway, so it starts out, it's immediately jarring because they're like shooting outside, which like has, I feel like maybe happened one time in all of Saved by the Bell history. Um, and there's like lots of cameras and camera movement and it feels like a real movie and it's like very exciting. Did that throw you for a loop? It threw me a little bit. Yeah. Like it'd been a while since I watched, uh, um, the Hawaii episode, the Hawaii thing and the Malibu thing. Those are both outside, but they were not this dynamic. And this one is pretty dynamic for being like, a uh, a TV movie. Yeah, it feels like just like a normal, low-budget-ass movie. Uh, also, yeah. we see, in one of the first scenes here, we see an exterior shot of Bayside. Like, we get to see it from the outside, which I don't think we've ever seen before in the history of the universe. And No, we saw it in model form when the oil tycoon was ready to, like, buy it and put up oil uh, wells there, yeah. like, in the school. And you get to see, like, how they would do it. I don't think it looks anything like this. 
But then again, like Zach shows up with a duck and that's really distracting. Yeah. I kind of forget what everything <laughs> looked like then. Yeah. I wonder what school it is that they, they use for this. Cause they go all out and they actually put up a sign that says Bayside on the school. Which, yeah. That's curious. I wonder what school it was. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. But yeah, this starts out with uh, Zach Slater and Screech. They're playing uh, paintball as part of Zach's bachelor party, I guess. Uh, which, <laughs> which seems weird. And, uh, and like there's this thing where like they get while they're sitting Indian style and talking about getting married, uh, some guys ambush them and it looks like they're about to beat them and beat the, you know, our our friendly Bayside gang in this paintball fight. But then Zach and Slater push Screech and then like they push him out of the way and then he picks up a gun and it was a clever ruse, you know, to get the drop on these guys who had just gotten the drop on them. And I'm like, this is really weird. Why? Wait a second. What? How did you? Where did you? I watched this on Hulu. Uh huh. And I don't remember any of this. Is that right? Yeah. They edited it down into like four episodes. Was your just like one succinct oh, wow. thing? Yeah. I've got the DVD and it's just like one 90 minute movie. Holy shit. Okay. This is fucking hilarious because we were just. There's a scene like towards the end of this where Zach says, hey, is there pain in that gun? Referring to like a real ass gun. Mm. And I'm like, what a fucked up thing to say. There's no context whatsoever. Wow. So now it makes a little bit more sense because he's referring to the paintball game they were at at the beginning of this fucking movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, Great. <laughs> <laughs> that's real weird. Yeah, mine, they go to Bayside and then they just like cut to Zach having dinner with his family. Yeah, that's weird that, yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of how the payoff, like, they kind of set it up at the beginning, the whole payoff of the movie and how they get out of all the trouble. So it's weird that they would cut that. But I guess if you were watching it in, like, four individual episodes, you, you know, it wouldn't matter anyway. But, um, but, yeah, when I was watching that, I was like, man, where is this going? Why are we watching this? Like, I had no idea that Saved by the Bell would be so sophisticated as to actually set up a Chekhov's gun, a literal Chekhov's gun, and uh, yeah, no shit. in the first deck that they would pay off. Yeah, I'm. Oh my god, you mentioned this. And I'm looking at clips, and this is all foreign to me. Like there, somebody reviewed this and put up like stills of them, sure as shit, paintballing. They're playing paintball. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? You got to see that director's cut. It's hot. I got to see the director's cut, maybe. Like, this is... Man, Hulu is... Well, this was, like, some other edit that was probably put up in syndication, but it's real weird. Real weird. Yeah. You got to get that Okay, go on, please. Uh, So you... (laughs) So, yeah, so that happens, like, kind of before the credits, and then they get into it. And, uh, like you said, Zach has dinner with his parents. His dad is anti the wedding. Uh, The mom is... Uh, neutral, completely neutral, but she does give Zach fr- uh, free passes to like stay at some hotel that no longer exists in Vegas. Uh, they hit the road in two different cars, and in a real weird twist, Zach and Slater and Screech are arrested because a real backwards-ass sheriff on a shortcut 
Even though there is no shortcut to Vegas from L.A., there's literally just one road that goes there. Uh, arrests them because he thinks that the car is stolen, and they have to spend the night in jail with a literal serial killer. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> meanwhile, I guess there's a lot of plot in this movie. Meanwhile, Kelly and, and Lisa break down, and like a real dirty hobo helps them get back on the road. You, think, you mean a real hunky hobo. Lisa just <laughs> yeah. keeps calling him dirty, but the guy is like, he's male model material. This guy is is very trim. And I think like Lisa is just trying to maybe psychologically work around that fact and be like, no, he looks poor and gross. But he's a hunk. He looks like a male model. He is a hunk, but he is wearing like dirty clothes. Sure. And he that guy's name is Kurt, Kurt something, Kurt Martin. And he's like, hey, ladies, I was just teaching classes at out the uh, Indian reservation. How, yeah. Did you buy that? Did you think that actually happened? Because that's that's really weird. Like they mentioned that at the end, too, because Lisa and this guy apparently, I don't know, fall in love or whatever. And she decides to forsake material things, dress up like a hippie of some sort, and then they're going to move to the Indian reservation. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is the whitest man I have ever seen. <laughs> <What's going on? laughs> it's pretty, it's a, pretty out there. Yeah. And then also like, what a weird way to just like at the very, at literally the very last second to just have Lisa like forsake everything we've ever known about her to join this Indian reservation. <laughs> really weird yeah she's like okay this is my life now yeah and it's it's amazing she goes along with it at all because the guy's like yeah i can fix your yuppie ass car he calls it a yuppie car not yuppie ass but he's like this is weird to see a yuppie car break down like this gotta fix your yuppie car then and he says that he needs her belt which is a weird request Mm -hmm. because i don't think that you can like actually solve any automobile problem ever I don't care if this is like 19, early 1990s, but like at any time, was anybody like, you know, if I just had like a waist belt, I could probably solve what's wrong with this car, but I don't. So too bad. But no, he, he requested these two stranded girls. He requests that one of them like remove an article of clothing. Mm-hmm. And then he like cuts the buckle off of it in front of her in this like show of uh, uh, psychopathic pleasure or something the phrase is toxic masculinity frisbee that's what you're looking for it's gross he probably smells toxic because he's so (laughs) gross that's true uh yeah Um, they they do this trope this trope it's bad because it's a trope i want you to know okay Um, (laughs) well they do this i don't like i don't know anything about normal cars so i don't know what works and what doesn't but like what do you know about yuppie cars though well yuppie cars this works with um I don't know. There was an episode of Hey Dude where they fixed a car with like pantyhose or something. So I feel like maybe there's something to this, but I have, don't know enough about cars. If anybody's listening out there, let us know. Email us. Hit us up on MySpace. <laughs> yeah. MySpace. Let us know if you can actually fix a car with a belt. Uh, so, yeah. So Lisa and Kelly get back on the road, they get to Vegas. There's a really cool makeover montage, which I'm a sucker for makeover montages. Uh-huh. 
They do it well here. Uh, Zach and the guys get out of jail, but they have to give the sheriff $1,200 to do so. Because, and that's most of like the wedding fund they were using. Yeah. And they have to do that because they got a ticket. Like They dropped the charges for stealing the car because it was Slater's car. But they had a speeding ticket that they needed to go to court for. Like, they weren't just given a ticket. Like, I don't know. It's like a whole convoluted mess. Uh, So, yeah. So, Zach and the guys arrive in Vegas with zero money. So, Zach and the guys need to get jobs in order to make money to get married. So, they go out caddying, which I feel like is just a clever ploy to get the guys away from actual Vegas because it probably costs a lot to film in Las Vegas. So... They probably filmed this, the, all these stupid golf scenes way out in the middle of nowhere for cheap. Uh, and then that doesn't work out because Screech sucks. And so mm-hmm. Screech and, and Zach have to become male escorts. And Yeah, and they, they're accosted to do this by none other than <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> yeah. That sounded like him, right? That was a pretty spot on impression. That's a good impression. Uh, yeah, Gilbert Gottfried finds them. He makes them become male escorts. Uh, Screech is really good at it. They call him Sammy, Sammy the Escort, because his name is Samuel. Uh, and he falls in love with an older lady. Or she falls in love with him. Yeah. He's playing hard to get. He's like, stay away from me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although they do end up together at the end. In a, in a scene yeah. that's very touching, because there is a part, like, Slater finds a girlfriend in this, and then Lisa meets up with the hippie and everything. And then, like, so, like, they're all together. And then Screech catches the bouquet at the wedding. And then he's like, oh, how sad that I'm the only one who's all alone. <laughs> and then this lady, <laughs> which is, like, so sad for a second. But then this old lady shows up, and she's in love with Screech. It is weird that Screech never, like, hits on Lisa at all during this. Yeah, I feel like he, I feel like he's past that now. Like they're paired up during the wedding ceremony as like uh, as part of the wedding parties. But um, yeah, he never once makes any creepy advances towards her. Yeah, Slater, however, full of creepy advances. He meets a girl a couple of different times through this. And yeah, yeah, he's like she works. Hey. She's at the golf course first, right? She's like. Working behind the counter? Uh, I think he sees her in the lobby, but doesn't talk to her. And then he sees her again at the golf course. Okay. And then he hits on her. How successful do you think Slater's lines are now that we get to see these like in action? Like for most of the show, we seem like uh, with Jesse, right? Mm -hmm. He's dating Jesse most of the time. And then... Maybe there's like one or two instances where I actually see him, but this time we get to see the entire Slater, AC Slater game in its full effect. How effective is it? Well, like, aside from the character reacting to it, like, does it look good? Because I didn't think it looked very good. Yeah, I think like without the laugh track that the TV show had, because this doesn't have one. Uh, it's a, it's or a, people going like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, right? it's a lot different. Also, I mean, I guess it should be said that he just broke up with Alex, like, just, like what, three weeks before this? Like, his girlfriend of, like, a year on the the college years? So yeah. He's moving fast. But, yeah, his, his lines are real. Like, 
he'll be like, hey, what do you think about us going out? And then she's like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And then he's like, oh, I think it's a great idea. You need to reconsider. Yeah, that one's really <laughs> fucked up. It's like real heavy. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. so he asks her out on a date like 30 times. She finally gets worn down and says, okay, they go out on a date. And then the guy from the show Studs, I think, shows up. And he's her ex-girlfriend. <laughs> That's from the guy from the show Cucks. And he's like, yeah. I'm just going to be over here watching you have dinner with my girlfriend. Yeah, he's like, please, AC Slater, your muscles are so big. Just <laughs> speaking of, Sorry, speaking of AC's muscles, we got to touch on this part. And touching is the, the key word here. When they're first pulled over and that like bumpkin sheriff pats them down. Mm-hmm. A.C. Slater is wearing a sleeveless dress shirt, mm-hmm. as was the style at the time. <laughs> yeah. In the early 90s, along with wearing an onion on her belt. But he's got a sleeveless T-shirt, or a sleeveless dress shirt, like a button-up. And the guy's like, yeah, this has been stolen. Got a report that's been stolen. Get out of the car slow. And he pats down Zach. Yeah, sure, he's going to pat it down like this blousey shirt and all that. Fine. Goes to Slater, pats him down, pats down his sleeveless arms. why it just looks like the weirdest fumbly gross touch thing where it's like oh okay let me just uh make sure you're not hiding anything under your bicep there your rippling shiny bicep and then he goes down like pats down the rest of this fucking sleeveless shirt it just (laughs) like i'm I know, like, you're supposed to suspend disbelief, but, like, it's not that hot out to just get so confused where you're like, oh, I better check under his arm here. Like, under his arm skin. Yeah, and then he, he pats down Screech, too, after that. And then Screech starts giggling. And, and then he says he gets it from his dad, which is <laughs> real awful to say. Yeah, he's like, my dad is tickly, too. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you say that? yeah. So anyway, going back to the studs guy, he's yeah. like, hey, you're having dinner with my girlfriend. This is fucked up. Yeah, he's like, I don't want you having sex with my girlfriend unless I'm there to watch it. <laughs> and uh, and then like immediately Slater's like, hey, the lady says she doesn't want you around. And it's like now all of a sudden the lady gets to make a decision on who she does and doesn't date. Now all after three days of asking her out Slater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the guys, this is a weird comeback because the guy's like, "Oh, what are you now, her interpreter?" And he just flat out goes, "Yeah, I am," as if that were like a natural effect. It's a weird delivery because you're like, "What?" <laughs> like, this never yeah. came up before. Yeah, and then so Slater beats this guy up. Well, the guy, to be fair, the guy's like drawing first blood. Uh, he's like pushing Slater. It's like, "Oh, you think you're tough?" And then he takes a swing at him. Slater punches him out, and the girl's like, oh, we better run. And he's like, why, well, he ain't getting up. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was a good joke. There's some good jokes in here. I should have written them down, but I did genuinely laugh a few times during this. Same. Yeah. Yeah, the guy shoves Slater. And <laughs> <laughs> you got to meet Slater. He got to shove Slater. <laughs> And then so Slater ends up getting chased by the the guy's bodyguards, the Goonish Mafia bodyguards. While this is happening, this is happening at the same restaurant where Kelly and Zach have gone 
It's the most romantic spot, apparently, in all of Vegas. Top of the Strip. That's Top. the name of the restaurant. Probably yeah. its exact location. Top of the Strip. Top of the Strip. Which I think is that they showed the exterior of a place downtown that I've always wanted to go to that apparently has good steak. But I think they might have changed the name of it or something. Um, but yeah, so at the same place, they, they're pulling a Three's Company. And or mm-hmm. Miss or Mrs. Doubtfire, however you prefer, depending on how old you are, where Zach and Kelly are out to dinner. And uh, by the by the way, Kelly, wow, wow, we wow, very nice, wow, wow, we wow, wow, yeah, Ooh. for sure. Gotta say, like all the ladies in this film are very, very nineties attractive. Like yeah. they're wearing like uh, very cute vests. Mm-hmm. But like that and like a pair of good fitting jeans and all this. Yeah. Very faded jeans. Ripped mm-hmm. to the knee a lot of the time. Yeah. I was. Yeah. They're very attractive. Yeah. Uh, especially Kelly. I don't know what happened between the last episode of the college years and this just three months later. But uh, she got very foxy suddenly. And she's getting. Yeah. She's compared for like, I guess, 90210. Probably the foxiest person on 90210. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, so yeah, so they're doing the Three's Company. Zach and Kelly are there on a date, but Zach is also an escort now, and he has to, at the same time, be dating some Russian lady, some also foxy Russian lady. Mm-hmm. And as you might imagine, it doesn't go well. Kelly finds out. It's a whole to-do. Uh, and then, oh, one of the things I laughed at is apparently one of the only English um, phrases that the Russian lady knows is, is I'll kick your butt. So when <laughs> when Kelly is confronting <laughs> Zach about this, the Russian lady says, I'll kick your butt. And I thought that, that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was the uh, first thing <laughs> that Zach says to her. He's like, uh, he says under his breath, of course, she's gorgeous. Uh, I have to kick your butt. Uh, Butler? Whatever Gilbert Godfrey's character's name in this. He's saying that under his breath, and this Russian model who doesn't know English very well immediately picks it up. So I'm not sure about her story, but it doesn't check out. Yeah, uh, but we never see her again, so who knows what her story is. Um, so yeah. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, so Zach and Kelly are on the outs. He... For some reason, Kelly and Zach are staying in different rooms, so he has to crawl outside. She won't let him into her hotel room. He has to yeah, crawl. She turns up the radio. Doesn't want to deal with him. Yeah, so he has to crawl from his balcony to her balcony. Uh, almost slips and dies. Is saved by Slater, who's being chased by the mob. And then from here, it's just like a kind of a wacky chase. Like the whole rest of the runtime is them just like being chased around different Vegas locations by these two wacky henchmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the last act of Class Act, that hit kid and play film, but different. Oh well. Um, they have to infiltrate a showgirl show, a show show, a topless showgirl yeah. show. Which yeah, that yeah, the phrase like world class topless girls is on a uh, marquee in the background of like the chase <laughs> scene here. That's yeah. pretty funny. And then, yeah, did you go, did you mention the wax sculpture museum? 
No, but that's why it's like class act, because that's what happens in class act. But yeah, they go through the Wax Sculpture Museum, which I, it's called like the Hollywood Museum or something, and I don't think that that's there anymore. If it is, I have not seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it seems like a cool place. I mean, I know that there's that Madame Tussauds, Tussauds. Yeah. Uh, but Screech has a lot of good lines in this, like, mix them up here. When they run inside, everybody's, like, determined to get away, but then Screech stops at a wax model of Rodney Dangerfield. He's like, oh, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I That's like good. And then, like, they all disguise themselves very Scooby-Doo style, like, as wax figures in the the thugs like run past and all this, they get distracted by like a hairy, dirty, hairy one that's up. And once they're out of, out of there, um, the kids remove their, like these, uh, costumes they put on and they're trying to make their escape from the building. And then this guy, the owner comes up and he's like, Hey, uh, what are you kids doing here? And Slater's like, we're being chased by these thugs, mister. And Zach's also trying to plead his case. Like, yeah, we're trying to escape with our lives. You need to help us. And then Screech goes, and I'm just a big Liberace fan. <laughs> it's like, that's also a really good joke. And then the guy replies like, leave Liberace alone and get out of my museum. <laughs> like there's, it's actually kind of funny. Yeah. Well, there's that scene early on where they're in the, um, during the road trip where Zach and Slater are like, you know, who's the hottest female supermodel? And they're like, you know, El McPherson. El McPherson, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Screech just has, like, all these dope... Like, they ask a lot of questions like that, and Screech just keeps giving these dopey answers. Like, they're like, who's the best baseball player? Barry Bonds. And then Screech is like, well, what about professional chess player? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I thought all that stuff was really funny, too. And there's that one with... Uh, uh, they're talking in the car, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme mm-hmm. isn't tougher than Steven Seagal. And he's there going back and forth. And Screech goes, Martin Short is surprisingly tough. <laughs> it's like, that's a weird deep cut. <laughs> and probably true. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, true. Yeah. So, yeah. All this. Oh, yeah. Screech is funny in this. I like Screech. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty redeeming in this one. Yeah. Although he doesn't have much to do. I think he's like the only one that doesn't have a character arc of any sort. Like he's same old Screech at the beginning and the end. But Yeah. Yeah, um, just a pretty solid comic relief, though. Yeah, yeah, it works. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff where they're getting chased and being chased. They infiltrate the show, the showgirls at one point. Which yeah, I, yeah. Uh, like we were kind of talking about this off air earlier, and I was thinking that it was a reference to the fact that Jesse couldn't do this movie because she was filming Showgirls at the time, and I mm-hmm. thought that that was like kind of maybe a jab or kind of a joke about that, but. I mean, I guess if she was filming it at that time, they wouldn't know that Showgirls was a joke to make a joke about it. So I guess it's probably just coincidence, but. Probably, yeah, just like it's a very typical Las Vegas thing. Showgirls are. Um, yeah, but it could have just been like a friendly nod to it also. Like they were obviously trying to do something funny with it. I don't know if it was like super successful because it's just kind of strange, like. The guys are dolled up, and yeah, they look like fish out of water because they're not used to walking in heels and stuff. And the show, like, people are just laughing at it. Um, mm-hmm. So they go back for intermission, and the stage director's like, you got to get out of here because I'm not supposed to be back here. 
very obviously. And the thugs show up as security or as posing as security. And like, we'll take care of these guys and take them up to uh, Freddie Silver's hotel room. The uh, the guy who ruined Slater's date earlier and got punched out. Yeah, there's a punch out scene. Well, we talked about that one where Slater like knocks him out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this other one where that. Yeah, they redo. You're talking about the one where they redo the uh, the paintball scene that you didn't see. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we learned that uh, that Kurt Martin, who's been working at the hotels like a bellboy and all these other odd jobs, running to Lisa again, being very persistent, going on a date with her. Uh, his dad owns the hotel. And when Freddie Silver is having like captured him as part of this group, he's like, okay, well, that's interesting. And you can help me steal these diamonds because they're diamond thieves and whatnot. You can help me steal the diamonds from the hotel. And the guy's like, yeah, I can do that. I know security in and out because my dad owns this place. So when they get down there with Kurt posing as security and let's uh, Freddie Silver's and one of the other thugs in one, this other thug is watching all the people out out of the safe and keep an eye on them while they perform this heist. And yeah, that's where this paint gun paintball gun line comes into play. Cause Zach's like, all right, follow my lead guys. And he asked this thug like, Hey, is there paint in that gun? Me and my friend here have a bet. I think there's paint in that gun. Now, without having known that there was a paintball scene earlier in the film, I just thought that was complete non sequitur. And he was just trying to like, really change things up and like in the context of that scene yeah he is but i didn't realize he was basing it off of like hey we played paintball just two days ago so i'm curious do all guns have paint in them it's a really weird question yeah like it's it's, it's it just makes no sense like i get why he would go hey slater do you think that there's paint in that gun like as a winky <laughs> way to say let's do the thing we did earlier but then why does he turn to the guy with the gun and ask him if there's paint in it? Like, that serves no purpose at all. I I don't know. Maybe he's just, like, trying to recapture the magic and he has to do it, like, beat for beat. It's like when, like, uh, sports team fans have to keep everything in their room exactly the way it was when the last game was won. Like, they don't change their yeah. socks or shit. They're the lucky things. And he's like, I got to do this line for line so is that entire bit like the thing that happened at the paintball field yeah that's what they do there like they do the thing where like they pretend to get into a fight and start pushing screech around and everything like that yeah okay that's wild because i just thought they were like aping off some uh marx brothers stuff when i saw that it's kind of funny like that's one where that thug is like trying to calm down this chaos by saying like Hey, will you two just shut up? And Screech is like, excuse me, sir, but you have to know how to talk to these two. And he does it the exact same way. He's like, hey, will you two guys shut up? <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke. It's a very funny joke. <clears throat> so, yeah. So they punch this dude out. They get away. Everything's all good. Uh, they go. They get married. Everyone's there. There's a cute scene where Belding and Mike from the college years and mm-hmm. um, oh, what was their name? I, I forget. There's Slater's girlfriend from the college years. Or Leslie? No, not Leslie. She, Leslie doesn't show up. She's not invited because she was boring as hell. 
Oh, uh, Alex. yeah. Alex, yeah, the one he broke up with. Yeah, Alex and, and Mike and Belding are there, and that part's cute. Like, they're all sitting together. Oh, wait, what about the uh, the uh, walk-up wedding in Vegas? You oh, want to talk about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Zach Fine- Also run by Guilford Godfrey's character. He owns multiple businesses around town. Yeah, Zach finally has to reveal that he's got no money. So, like, fuck it, we got no money. Let's go get married at a tiny little wedding chapel. Which, by the way, costs a lot of fucking money. Uh, yeah, they, they're paying, what, like 65 bucks or something? Yeah, it's a, well, I, I guess, I mean, 65 bucks is a lot to me because I'm a cheap, uh, cheap punk rock. It's probably but, inflated since then, man. Yeah, it costs, yeah. it costs me a couple hundred dollars to get married at one of those fucking places. And it, like, they say, come on in, get married for 30 bucks. But then you have to, like, fucking pay all these hidden fees. Like, you have to, like, tip the fucking priest before he does it, like, 60 bucks. And then you have to, like, tip this motherfucker over here if you want this and you gotta buy the goddamn dvd which is another hundred fucking dollars so it costs a lot it's not like oh we got no money let's get married here and then you got to pay another two hundred dollars if you want spock to do it did you get spock to do it no i didn't get spock to do it but uh (laughs) it is only logical these two should be together (laughs) yeah (laughs) if anyone object set your phases to stun (laughs) Um, such a phases to loved yeah Uh, yeah, that's a lot of money and looks like Gilbert doesn't really enforce any of that though he's standing at the altar with an accordion that he does not use Mm. I just thought that was kind of good Um, but his his ceremony is pretty wild because he's mixing up a lot of the lines like in sickness and in richness in poorness and in death (laughs) and he's like for as long as you two shall live until you die and then return to walk the earth as zombies. That's a pretty good line for like pre-zombied out early 2000s that we'd eventually come upon. It's like an early 90s joke. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. I think that should be included in the real vows for now on. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So they're doing that. And then uh, here comes Zach's dad. He's like, hey, I object, you know. And you think he's Yeah, and he's Go ahead. He says uh can't get married someplace cheesy like this. And Gilbert Godfrey takes offense to that because he says he just decorated like just a month ago. Uh or redecorated. And he says, Zach, I want you to have a real wedding. Which I find really offensive to like anybody who's gotten married at a chapel like that. And in fact, he says that in front of all the other people who are waiting their turn. But then he gets, like, applause when they all leave. Like, yeah, probably applauding that he's leaving. Like, Zach's dad's kind of a jerk. Yeah, that's true. Like, he's get, he's going in there real judgmental about places that people are allowed to get married. But, mm-hmm. uh, but he does rescue Zach and Kelly. They have this nice wedding reception somewhere that is... In un- Nevada. <laughs> oh, they what? don't go back to California. That's the thing. It's like, by the power vested in me, in the state of Nevada... <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, so, that's their marriage is recognized not in their home state, not immediately at least, but like in Nevada is where they decide to do it. Yeah, that's really weird. You think if they were getting, re- I don't know, like rescued, that they would go back home? Yeah, I thought they were. I thought they were going back home, and then like once the priest says that, like at their real wedding, uh, yeah, that's pretty wild. 
Yeah. I should also mention that like Jesse Spano shows up mm-hmm. like right as the vows are happening. Feels like for someone who's super prepared about stuff that she could have been more prepared. Yeah. Well, she says that she like got there last minute because she was in the middle of finals and she like goes to school in New York or whatever. So uh, she's there for mm-hmm. literally two seconds. Like, I mean, it was cool that they got her there, but yeah. I, you know, I would have liked more. Like, they even have a scene afterwards, after that, where, uh, oh, my, Alex says, you know, oh, Zach and Kelly, I'm so glad you guys are married and we're going to be friends forever. And uh, it's weird that that's not Jesse. Why, like, did they really only have, like, one hour with Jesse to film this? Two yeah. Seconds? And what's even stranger is, like, <clears throat> there's this weird heart to heart dramatic beat like after the wedding where uh zach and kelly and then jesse approaches and zach is the one to leave to let those two talk like i know that they're friends but i thought like in the series zach and jesse were at least talked about as being like as close as brother and sister yeah and zach's like excuse me I have to excuse myself from the other most important person in my life. Yeah. And then the two of them have this weird heart to heart where like Jesse starts weeping. It's like, I knew you'd be the first to be married. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like the Jesse character a lot, but this does not sound like Jesse. Yeah. And yeah, they're, they, they say in multiple episodes in the TV show that Zach and Jesse were like best friends since, you know, kindergarten and they live next door to each other and stuff. It should have been Zach Mm -hmm. and Jesse, but. Uh, yeah, but this movie's sexist. He said, "Oh, the two girls are friends." Yeah, they were looking at the uh, the Bechtel test, and it's like we have to we have to knock all of these out. Let's make sure that we have two women talking about a guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that happens. Happens mm-hmm. earlier with Lark Voorhees. You know, again, like can't stress enough. Everybody's so foxy in this film, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. They just thought that was enough. They're like, if we're bringing in another female character, we got to make sure she talks to another female character about a guy Mm -hmm. and gets real weepy about it. Yeah. It's a real weird use of like familiar faces. Um, So, yeah, they do all that. And uh, don't they toss the bouquet like the next day? And that's they're like on the strip again, right? Yeah, I think somehow they're back on the strip. And yeah, Screech catches the bouquet, and that's when he says, "Oh, I'm still alone. I'm Screech." And then Dirty Diana shows back up again, and she sucks that Screech dick. <laughs> that's the end. And then that's the end. And then there's that <laughs> nice montage of uh, Zach and Kelly throughout the years, which was very cute. Yeah, it is. Everything after that first part. Yeah, so that's the movie. I think it's good. It's fun. I would probably watch the Hawaiian movie, like, if I had to choose between these two movies, like, just because mm-hmm. that one's weirder, Screech gets abducted by natives, and there's that stuff where, like, Zach is married, or is dating a lady with a 10-year-old kid, and... Oh, uh, yeah, that's so... <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, like, all that yeah. weird stuff in that movie. There's a lot of good weird stuff in that film. And, yeah, I don't know if I can recommend the this edited version where it's cut down to four episodes that's real strange yeah if you're gonna watch it buy the movie version it's on dvd it's and amazon 
Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So that's Saved by the Bell, The Wedding in Vegas. A fine film. A fine ending to a fine show, I would say. Mwah, I'm kissing my fingertips. Ah, perfect. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the show. That was a clip. We just heard a clip. That was old. That was a long-ass clip. Very long. Hey, when a... Uh... At the end of that clip, when I mention like I'm kissing my fingertips, I also want to mention that something I remember from watching that movie like all those years ago, back on episode 25, mm-hmm. uh, was that like at the wedding ceremony, um, I think it's Kelly's dad walks her down the aisle, and or maybe it's Zach's dad. Because he's so prominent in the entire film. Like he walks Zach down the aisle. Or no, it's Kelly's mom. Or Kelly's dad, excuse me. He walks her down the aisle. And then like kisses her on the cheek. And it's this real weird Foley sound. It sounds like a hole punch. Like a... <laughs> it's real loud. <laughs> it stands out so hard. And then like they... They cut to him like taking his seat. Just a second later. Like next to his wife and then he kisses his wife and it's the same sound effect (laughs) so it's like it sounds so grotesque and weird like i had to go back to it numerous times i'm like did i hear this right like why does this not sound like a kiss and then there's like scenes later where it'd be like zach and kelly just like giving a a quick peck to because they're doing like all the hobnobbing around the the reception so they kiss each other sounds like a kiss just like you know, mm-hmm. and it sounds timed accurately, but there's these two standout ones with the dad, where it's like, <laughs> That's "Goodbye, just... daughter." Pajunk. Hello, wife. That's just his kissing <laughs> style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he learned how to kiss in shop class. Yeah, it's like I gotta make this sound like a drill. Very nasty kissing style. No good. No good. No way. No way. Fuck you with that kissing style. <laughs> Fuck you, Mr. Punchhole Kissing. Yeah. No way. Ah, uh, well, that's the end of the episode. It was a fine a good clip show. Yeah, a great clip show. No original yeah. content at all on this episode, just clips. I love going back to clips. Love I love going clips. to great clips. Yeah, that's a good place to get a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, so yeah, so, uh, that's the end. Uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pool party radio, Twitter, email us pool party radio, gmail.com. Check out Frisbee's other podcast, the blind podcast, right? Where can the kids find the, co- the blind podcast? The blind podsman is that Twitchy podcast, which probably should change the name up to the blind podcast. Um, yeah, might come back. I don't know. Hasn't really been an episode for a while, and I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but uh, hopefully we can get back on that horse and uh, start it up again. But you can find us on Facebook, The Blind Podsman, um, website for all of our old episodes, and yeah, look for myself and Patrick on the interwebs. Uh, Patrick's still doing the All Kill cast, though, right? Like, do you ever listen to that podcast and feel like you're being podcucked? No. Oh. No, because uh, if it were the other way around, like if I was with his podcasting partner and listening and he would have to listen or wanted to listen, then yeah, that'd probably be that situation. 
Okay. Okay. Well, I do not feel ashamed at all. <laughs> I'm not king shaming you. You don't have to feel ashamed. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, check out all that stuff. Check out the Junk Fod Diner. Check out Podcast Town. Check out Wayne's podcast, Motion Picture Massacre. He's a nice man. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it all out. Uh, yeah, until next time, this is Parker for Razorman Cumulus saying thanks for having fun. <laughs>